Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This Lenten season, we're going to give close consideration to the passion of our Lord, specifically through the Gospel of John. Throughout these next six weeks, we will hear from John chapter 18 and 19. Topics include the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus, Jesus facing trial in front of Annas and Caiaphas, Jesus before Pilate, Jesus delivered, Jesus crucified, Jesus' death and burial. We will specifically consider the divine majesty, the glory of Jesus that is hidden under the suffering and death of the crucifixion. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would, by this meditation, imprint the image of Christ crucified upon your hearts and upon your minds and upon your consciousness. We pick up tonight at the garden of, of uh, the garden. Now, the Passion has two gardens in it. There are two different gardens. Tomorrow night, in six weeks, we will get to another garden where Jesus will be brought outside of Jerusalem, a garden in which has a new tomb been hewn. But for now, Jesus and his disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is an olive grove on the western-facing slope of the Mount of Olives, just east of the city. It is still there. I have been there. You could go and visit it and look across the Kidron Valley and see Jerusalem as Jesus saw it 2,000 years ago. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He has instituted the Lord's Supper. He has fed them his body and blood. He has forgiven them their sins. He has strengthened their faith. He has prayed for his disciples. He has warned them about the things that are to come. And when all of those things were finished, they sang a hymn and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, traveling east out of Jerusalem, down through the Kidron Valley and into the garden where Jesus asks his disciples to stay up with him and pray. But they don't do it, they go to sleep. Jesus prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. Three times Jesus prays this, and the Father's answer is clear, there is no other way. Jesus is going to drink the cup of suffering, this cup of God's wrath over sin. The angels come and they comfort him. He arises and he goes forth to remaining 11 disciples because his betrayer is at hand. Judas, who betrays Jesus, has already left early at the dinner of the Last Supper. He has arranged for his betrayal, and now he comes with soldiers and officials and torches and lanterns and swords and spears. He indicates unto this man which man he has arrested by greeting him with a kiss, and then Jesus, arrests, uh, Jesus addresses the soldiers. We want to pay special attention to this conversation that Jesus has with these people who have come to arrest him tonight. It has often been noted within John's Gospel, a great way of studying John's Gospel is to study the seven I am statements from Jesus. Jesus throughout the Gospel is explaining who he is and what he has done and what he is going to do. He says, I am the bread of life in chapter 6. 
I am the light of the world in chapter 8. I am the door, chapter 10. I am the good shepherd, chapter 10. I am the resurrection and the life, chapter 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life, chapter 14. Jesus says, I am the true vine in chapter 15. All of these I am statements give us really good clues as to who Jesus believes himself to be. It gives the key to the understanding of the Gospel of John and understanding who Jesus is and what he has come here to do. They remind us as well of this conversation that Moses has with God Almighty at the burning bush. I am who I am, says God. This I am is the divine, personal name of Jesus. It's the name of God the Father Almighty. Jesus is the Lord. God of God, light of light, very God from very God, three in one. The Son is here claiming that divine revelation of God for himself. I am. What's sometimes missed in these number of I am statements in John's the Gospel is when Jesus also says I am, but not when he says I am this, or I am that, or I am the door, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, but simply, I am. Sometimes the English versions translate it like it did tonight, I am he, which is grammatically correct, but it misses the significance of the words that Jesus speaks. Jesus is claiming to be God. Chapter 8, before Abraham was, I am. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass that you may believe that I am. Chapter 13. If anyone tells you that Jesus does not claim divinity with the Father, they are either a liar or they are a fool. Jesus here is claiming to be God. I am. Here in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus again says I am. And he says it here twice. And very two different things happen, which is amazing. The soldiers come out seeking Jesus, and Jesus is the one who starts the conversation. Who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth, they declared. And Jesus says, are you ready for this? He says, I am. And he knocks the soldiers over. He uses the divine word and demonstrates the power of the word of God. And it knocks them over and the soldiers drew back and they fall over themselves. They're hit with, with like a, a sonic clap and the lanterns drop and the spears and the, and the, the swords go flying and men go falling over one another. It's, it's like a kind of a miracle. It's a sign. It's a wonder. Jesus uses the divine name. And yet they're not destroyed. All he does is knock them down. So they stand up. They dust themselves off. They pick up their lanterns and their torches and their spears. A little dazed at what Jesus has done unto them. And again, Jesus asked them, who do you seek? Perhaps this time they're a little tentative. Perhaps this time they sort of look at each other like, oh, who wants to tell him? No one wants to say it. 
Eventually somebody grits their teeth together and grasps their sword and plant their feet. Jesus of Nazareth. And again he says unto them, I told you I am. Except this time nothing happens. No one falls over. Nobody drops anything. At the first I am, Jesus sends them flying. At the second I am, nothing happens at all. The first I am shows that Jesus is indeed God in human flesh. The second I am shows that Jesus is not using his power to protect himself from what is coming. The first I am demonstrates that Jesus could have easily avoided the cross. He could have easily knocked him down and walked out of that garden. In fact, he didn't have to be in that garden at all. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew Judas was coming. He was not waiting for them to capture them. He was waiting there for them to get their act together. He knew where they were. He knew where they were coming. And he knew what they were going to find. The first I am is a miracle of God's power. The second I am is also a miracle, but it's the miracle of God's weakness. And it's a bigger miracle. It's not much of a miracle for us to think if we're in the presence of the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the Holy One who demands us to be holy as we are not holy, that if we were to stand in that presence that we could and should be burnt up to a crisp, that is not that great of a miracle. That's something we easily could see. Even the angels show up and talk to humans and we fall down in fear. The greater miracle there is that we can share the presence of God Almighty and not get burned up. That God might show His weakness to us. The creator of the universe, the one who speaks and the sun and the moon jump into their places right here in the garden. The one who speaks and everything that has come into existence has come into existence. And he's right here in the garden. He's waiting to be arrested. And he speaks. This band of soldiers is repelled and knocked over and he is safe. That's no surprise. But then he speaks again and nothing happens. The soldiers remain there standing. They approach Jesus and nothing happens. They touch him and nothing happens. They grab him and nothing happens. They bind him a hand and nothing happens. They lead him away to Annas and Caiaphas and nothing happens. They strike his face. They spit upon him. They hit him in the head. They pull out his beard. They strip him. They whip him. They drag him to Golgotha. And nothing happens. They crucify him. And there's no resistance. He doesn't fight back. He doesn't knock them over with his word. From here on, in the Gospel of John, from this second I am, the only thing we get from Jesus is weakness and suffering. All of that being done for your sake. Behold, the miracle of the weakness of God. The suffering servant has come. Behold, the wonder of humility. Behold, the suffering God given into death for sinners such as you and I. 
This is, after all, the reason that Jesus has come and He came as a baby. That's not a coincidence. This is the reason Jesus has come. To die in weakness. So that there's a back to whip. And there's a brow to beat. And hands and feet to be nailed unto wood. And blood to be spilt. To carry our sin and to carry our sorrow. And this is why we call him the king of our salvation. Jesus shows his love for us. He shows his love for us in the I am. In the I am that doesn't knock anybody over. Dear saints of God, whom do you seek today? Jesus of Nazareth, we ask. Are you the Savior? He says unto you, I am. Jesus, are you the friend of sinners? I am. Jesus, are you the light and the hope of the world? I am. Jesus, are you for me? I am. And in that promise we stand. In the light of the eternity of our living God. Amen.